following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Morning, church. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us virtually. Uh, my name is Patrick Genova. My wife, Lamisha, and I, we lead the youth and family ministry here for the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ, for those of you that don't know us. And I'm just really grateful. I'm really privileged uh, today to be able to uh, preach, to be able to share, to be able to, um, yeah, just like talk about, you know, the scriptures and how we can obviously apply those uh, in our lives today and being a light of our world. And that's what we're going to talk about today is uh, being the light of our world, be the light of your world uh, specifically. Uh, before we get into that though, um, just I was just thinking about light and this probably sounds kind of foolish, but you don't always appreciate how important light is until it's not there, if you think about it. You know, darkness is, uh, is awful. <laughs> I mean, think about if you're driving on the highway, right? And you see a car um, without their headlights on at night. How do you feel? I mean, I know for me, I go through many emotions from, from anger to concern to uh, should I say something? You know, a lot of things come to mind when I see that because it's like, oh, that's unnerving, right? When they don't have their lights on at night. Um, how do you feel, you know, approaching, uh, if you're like maybe a kid or, you know, approaching a house that's all dark, it's all, it's, it's no, no lights are on in the house. I mean, it's kind of a, a creepy feeling, right? And I know, you know, for all of us, when we were kids, um, you know, when you turn the lights off downstairs, I know you ran upstairs. I know you ran up the stairs right after that because it's scary when everything is dark. Like you could almost feel something chasing you, right? You know, have you ever tried to find something in the dark? I mean, it is like next to impossible. And uh, then someone turns on a flash like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, like even just walking in the dark is like so dangerous because stubbing your toe has to be one of the most uh, painful experiences on earth. <laughs> like uh, for like a split second, like not even a second, you feel like, oh man, like I'm going to die. Like, you know, stubbing your toe is, is tough. You know, we need light, right? We need light. Darkness is scary. And Jesus knew this. You know, God knew this, that, that we are scared of dark, right? Dark is not something uh, we as human beings in the physical world enjoy. Uh, and it's not something we as humans or spiritual beings in the spiritual realm enjoy. We don't, we don't like darkness. It's scary. It's, it's, it, it, it freaks us out, right? And so we're going to read in John chapter 8, verse 12, uh, where it talks about, well, I'll read it. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, the world is dark. The world is dark. The world can be dark. Yeah, there's moments of, of bright light shining, uh, but there's a lot of darkness. And right now, there's a lot of light being shown on the darkness. And that's, that's kind of scary, you know, to see like, wow, like, yeah, this monster of the racism that is here and you're shining a light on it. And it's like, oh, that's, that's scary. We don't even, you know, 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 all of us don't even know what to do, you know, about this darkness, but thank God that we have Jesus. Thank God that we have this light. And there's, there's, there's a ton of darkness. But I do wanna encourage us today. I know that 
you know, starting off talking about darkness is not an encouraging thing. I do want to encourage us today that we do have a light. We have a light that we can go everywhere with, that we don't ever have to walk in darkness. And that is an incredible thing. And that is the light of Christ. That is the light of the world that came. You know, the same power, you know, let there be light. Like all of that is embodied in Christ. And we can have that. And I don't know if you guys remember um, in the desert, you know, when the Israelites escaped Egypt, um, how they navigated uh, through the desert, right? It's, I mean, they navigated a lot of ways and God kept them um, alive in a lot of ways, right? Because they needed to eat and God had to, it was miraculous, you know, that they were able to make it through this desert, uh, just having escaped Egypt. And so how did God uh, guide them? Well, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 through 22, it says, we have our answer. So it says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar or the or neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I mean, they had God leading them. It never left its place in front of the people. You know, people were following this, 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 this bright fire, right? And you can't miss that in the desert, in the darkness, right? You're not going to miss a pillar of fire, right? In the, in the desert, they're going to be like, oh, I'm following this pillar of fire right now, you know? Like, cause I can't see anything without it. And that's scary. You know, if you're in a desert and it's just dark, there's no, there's no light anywhere. I mean, I, I would be thinking all kinds of things at that point. Like, I'm going to get eaten um, in the wilderness, uh, but thank God he has not left us in the darkness. He's given us this light. You know, and then the Israelites, they build a tabernacle. It's kind of a, you know, a portable uh, temple where the uh, presence, where the glory of God could dwell. And um, and it was just still in a limited fashion, right? Like not everybody could, uh, actually very few people could enter the presence of God or 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 commune with God. And, and so it was this, this start of this this priesthood that's able to kind of go in an intercession, you know, between kind of man and God. You know, and then Solomon, he builds a temple and this houses the glory of God as well. And it's still, there's still a little bit of, um, of distance. There's still a priesthood, right? And, and, and even then, uh, there there's a very, very specific um, circumstances under which one could enter into the, the, the Holy of Holies, right? And um, so... You have this 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 ongoing, you know, glory of God. It's it's the Mount Sinai. You see God moving with His people, the pillar of fire, fire, and then it's the tabernacle, and then into the temple. And um, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, it's constantly alluding to the fact that, but there is going to come a time when this presence of God comes to dwell amongst us. That that this glory of God that's referred to all throughout the Hebrew Bible, is going to come down to earth, make his tabernacle with us, and then leave us with himself so that we can have the glory of God manifested within us through his Holy Spirit. And you can read a little bit about those promises in Ezekiel chapter 43 or Joel uh, chapter 2 verse 28. But it's incredible. And so we get to read about this light, this glory of God that's, that's come down, this long-awaited promise where you've seen it, 
but now we get to be in, in, in this presence of Jesus, right? And that is special moments. So in John chapter one, verse nine, Jesus said the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's referring to himself that he is the light that gives light to everyone. And he, he has arrived, this glory of God, you know, has arrived to guide us, to lead us, to give us the light uh, in the darkness. And after he leaves, he promises his Holy Spirit is going to dwell within us. Now we're going to become the temple for the glory of God. Like, wow, that's, that's intense. You know, that, that, respond, that honor, but also responsibility, but also that intimacy that we can now have with God. You know, while it may seem daunting uh, to be a light, you know, of the whole world, right? Like, that's a hard thing to think about. I want to be a light to the whole world. We can think about how we can be a light in our world. And if each of us decides, I, I want to be a light in my world, then we can be collectively a light uh, to the world. And so today, you know, the, the, the overarching uh, point that I want to kind of convey is that, you know, as we follow the light of the world, that is Christ. Um, as we follow his light, we can be a light in our world. As we follow the pillar of fire that is Christ, we can be a pillar of fire for others in our world. So as we go through this message, think about your world. Like what is your world? This is your job, your family, your community, your neighborhood, your church, your community group. It just wherever you move, are moving, Right, wherever you exist, like this is your this is your world. And my first point is to follow the light of the world. Right? So in your world, we want to follow the light of the world. What does this mean? It's it's following Jesus, right? Simply put. And I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal this point um, more or less from Jeff. Uh, Jeff preached this message at, um, right at it was, it was Easter message. And it just really stuck with me, you know, um, seeing the discouragement of the, the disciples after the crucifixion. And I was like, I found that very relatable to me, like what that must have felt like. So without giving it away, I'm going to I'm going to recap that a little bit. And it's in Luke chapter 24, verse 20. And this is Jesus comes up to the disciples as they're talking. They don't recognize him, but they ask, you know, Jesus asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? Right, and this was after three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. And here is their response in Luke chapter 24, verse 20. Uh, Jesus says, the chief priests, I'm sorry, Jesus, Jesus doesn't say this. The disciples' response to Jesus is this. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. You know, and Jeff pointed this out in a great way. Like they had hoped, you know, this is a past tense and, and maybe there was still some hope that they had or, or a shred of it. But my guess is, is that, you know, they were in a state of crisis, right? They felt the darkness, you know, that spiritual darkness of I've given up everything in a spiritual way, in a physical way. And the, the person that I gave up everything for, for is now dead. And so imagine those feelings, right? That, that that would bring. You know, they probably felt so like stupid, betrayed, crushed, hurt. I'm sure they were angry at God. I'm sure they questioned, you know, do we even know how to follow God? Like, 
if we missed it this bad, do we, they're probably questioning their faith and do we even know what we're doing? Can you relate to any of those feelings? You know, of, of hopeless or down or discouraged or lost or even confused or even doubting, you know, in your faith. I think we all have felt those things at one point or another. We might be feeling that a little bit now. And you know, with, this, with the beginning of coronavirus, um, those are definitely some, uh, you know, dark, you know, dark moments. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of have a joke here because there's, you know, there's a saying in Spanish where, uh, the, the saying basically goes, you know, you laugh so you don't cry. Right. And so, um, I have joking. I know these things are very insignificant compared to what was real, what's going on, but I just wanted to uh, share a little bit with you guys. Maybe we can laugh together. Right. So some of the darkness of my world since coronavirus. Uh, so my office is in my kitchen, which is pretty discouraging. Uh, I often get to smell food and have Jacob run in and slam my computer shut and grab my phone. <laughs> uh, it can be very, uh, it can be challenging at times. You know, for the first couple months, uh, we we didn't have babysitting. The first couple months of coronavirus, so no babysitting for Jacob. So basically, say goodbye to quality time, right? For me and Lamisha, we had to be like creative and during his naps have to have a lunch together. You know, it, it was nice-ish. It would have been nice to definitely go out. I shamelessly wear sometimes the same clothes day after day. But yes, I do shower, so don't judge me, okay? But yeah, I wear the same clothes sometimes, shamelessly. The teens in our ministry are understandably not enjoying being on Zoom anymore, if they ever were. And I totally understand uh, why. It's, a, it's an eternal uh, struggle, I feel. Um, you know, doing flyers has become a way of life uh, for me. And there are times where I want to just throw my computer out the window. Technology is extremely unforgiving. In fact, um, you know, even in recording, right, the sermon, this is, it can be very challenging because technology doesn't really care about who you are. And so there's moments where I wanted to just, just throw it out the window. And um, I also know when my wife is getting sick of me uh, because she'll ask me, hey, have you been out today? <laughs> So like, hey, maybe it's time for a little break, you know? And uh, I mean, I'm totally secure. Uh, we have a great marriage, but yeah, sometimes we need some space. You know, there's been some of the, the darkness in, in, in my world lately. Um, but you know, all jokes aside, uh, I have been feeling a lot uh, recently. I have been feeling a lot in terms of uh, racism and injustice. And uh, you know, I know it, it doesn't even compare uh, what I feel about it to you know, my brothers and sisters of color who have had to just deal with this for so long and the exhaustion um, of not only navigating how they move through life, but also having to um, explain and educate, um, you know, us. And I think that it hits me hard because when you hear the hurt and the pain, right? Like, I think for all of us, it's like, man, your heart, you wanna, you you wanna do something, and it, and then compounded by the fact that you know my wife is black, and we have a son who's half black, half white, and and society is gonna decide uh, what they consider him, and it's gonna a lot of it's gonna be based on his race, and that's just crazy to me. And um, I can feel very overwhelmed and, and grieved by that, 
And uh, I can also feel overwhelmed in understanding my role in this time. And where, what is the, where, where is the pillar of fire leading me right now in all of this? And my question for you is, you know, what is the darkness you feel right now creeping in around you? You know, it might not be the same as, as, as what I'm feeling, but what, what would it be for you? And, you know, because there's a global kind of darkness, but then it's like, but how does that impact you personally? What, what are some of the fears? What are some of the things that, that, that come up? And on top of it, is it work situations, right? Like we still have all of these things going on uh, right now. Like family life, there's, there's, there's hard times in that. Coronavirus, you know, is still not gone uh, by any means. And um, obviously, as I mentioned, we have racism and injustice. You know, the darkness will continually try to overcome and lead our hearts, but we cannot let it. Darkness can lead our hearts. Just like the pillar of fire led people, the darkness can lead people. But, but with Christ, we won't allow that to happen. Christ won't allow that to happen. Jesus can always light the fire and be the fire for us. So how did Jesus help these disciples in their moment of feeling down and discouraged? Like, how did he help them in this moment? And the answer to this question, which we're about to read, is I think how we're going to get help with whatever the darkness is we're facing around us. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, and we're also going to read 32. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. This is Jesus' response to the disciples commenting on how, you know, we had hoped and what they say is, um, uh, Jesus' response is, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, what does he do? He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He explained, he pointed them to the scriptures. Then after that, drop down to verse 32. What was the impact this left, that, that this interaction with this light? How did, how did, that, how did that leave them? How were they left at that moment? In verse 32, it says, They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The fire began to burn within their own heart after this interaction uh, with the pillar of fire that is, that is Christ, with the light that is Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. The answer is always to go back to him. You know, when we feel darkness circling around us, that is where we need the light of God more than ever. We have to go back to Jesus and his word to gain understanding first. The first place we need to go is back to Jesus and his word. And we also can be light for other people, to point people back to the scriptures the way Jesus did for his disciples. You know, this will light a fire in our hearts if we understand how we can apply scriptures appropriately to our situation. If we understand how we can give a scriptural reference and framework to the things we're experiencing and the things we're feeling. You know when you read a scripture and it just speaks to exactly what you're feeling or it just speaks to exactly what you're seeing. An incredible thing happens in that moment. It's like you're in the presence of God in that moment. But before you can be a light in your world, there has to be a light in your heart. We have to be following the light so that we can be a light in our world. Do you go to the scriptures first in your moments of greatest hopelessness? 
If not, where do you go first? And as we go to the scriptures, I know the light within, the light that we're following is going to shine so brightly and it's going to illuminate our souls and we're going to be able, uh, it's just going to be obvious that we have something that we're holding on to that's different. So now that we know what the light is and we can follow it and we have it, what do we do? This is my second point is be the light in your world, right? Be the light in your world. And if we want our light to shine brightly and keep growing, we have to be willing to use our God-given gifts in our worlds, wherever we find ourselves. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 through 9, it says, For this reason, this is Paul talking to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It's interesting because this idea of fanning into the flame indicates that gifts are not given to us fully manifested. They grow and develop as we put them to use. Our gifts will grow as we put them to use. And like the scripture says, whoever can be entrusted with little will be given more and can be entrusted with much. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a third generation Italian, and uh, so that means my, my, my parents uh, speak English and they don't speak Italian. Uh, my grandparents' uh, Italian was, more, for the most part, a, a second language in English, a first language. And for my great-grandparents, Italian was a first language and English was a second language. And, um, you know, so... This is a great mystery in my life that I'm about to share with you guys, or it was a mystery in my life. Why my parents decided when I was in kindergarten that I should enroll in a Spanish immersion program was a mystery to me for the majority of my life. And I don't even know if they knew completely why at the time, you know, and and, and this is where God works uh, in, in interesting ways, right? And sure, it was cool as a kid knowing a second language that my parents didn't know. And me and my siblings, we could like basically tell secrets in broad daylight right right in front of my parents. And this is an incredibly powerful gift uh, when you're a teenager, right? To be able to hide in plain sight right, by speaking a, a, a second language. And um, however, obviously that is not <laughs> the purpose that God had in mind uh, with this gift of being able to, you know, speak another language. And I began to realize my gift when I took a job working for the Department of Labor in the uh, state of Maryland. And basically my job as a, I was a wage and hour investigator and I helped, um, uh, and I worked primarily with the Latino population because I spoke Spanish and that's why I got the job. And I investigated wage claims when they weren't paid what they were owed. And I saw the injustice in the, um, in the employment industry, in, in, the, in the treatment of, of Latinos, where uh, bosses would often use fear tactics um, to not have to pay uh, some of their workers. Now, there are a lot of great uh, companies out there, but there's a lot of bad ones too that totally uh, take advantage. And, um, and I, as I was using my gift, I started to realize, wow, this, I'm, I'm discovering why. You know, God had me in a, uh, God had my parents put me in a Spanish immersion program. And it was this feeling of like using your gifts where you feel like very close to God as you use your gifts. You don't feel 
so exhausted. You kind of feel exhilarated, you know, as you use your gifts for God. And, uh, but God wasn't done there because, you know, I spoke Spanish every day. And as I was using my gift there in a very fulfilling way, I realized God was preparing me to use my gift in another way um, that I didn't even know of at the time. And eventually my wife and I, we, we decided um, to move to the mission field in Madrid, Spain. And so, but God from the beginning knew that I would have that job and God knew I'd be in Spain. And he actually had prepared me for these moments, right? With this, with this particular gift. And it was some of the most, it was the most fulfilling time of my life, you know, to be able to use those gifts. And still I have incredibly fulfilling moments, right? Using, using gifts now, but sometimes we don't always use our gifts, you know, and, and why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we use our gifts? And Paul, I think, knew because he talks about some of the things the Holy Spirit um, prevents in us or allows us to be. And there's four things that he mentions about uh, the spirit that God gave us. He talks about, it doesn't make us timid. He talks about power. He talks about love. And he talks about self-discipline. And so what do these have to do with keeping us from using our gifts? Well, if we're timid, if we give in to fear, we're not going to use our gifts to serve God. Why does he bring up power? I feel like if we feel powerless to change anything, it's kind of like, what's the point of using my gifts if nothing is ever going to change? Paul talks about love. Because when we lack love, we will not use our gifts to serve other people. We don't have sufficient love. He talks about self-discipline. Because when we don't have self-discipline, we don't engage our gifts in a consistent way, which sometimes can cause harm because it's, you know, you're there and God might still want you to be using your gifts to, to do whatever he wants. But then if you withdraw them before the time, then other people have to come in and pick up the pieces. And so self-discipline is so important too. You know, what is it for you of these four things? And I would encourage us just to think of one that we want to work on. Timidity, uh, feeling powerless, lacking love, or not having enough self-discipline. What do you feel like you uh, need to work on to really engage your gifts in a way um, that is both fulfilling for you and rewarding, but so that we can also be a light in our world? You know, to be honest with you guys, for me, sometimes uh, it's timidity. Um, and sometimes, I and mean, maybe some people are like, what, Pat? Like, you're pretty vocal. Um, you know, honestly, I, I, I feel a lot of timidity and sometimes I fear, you know, I, I can feel like, who am I? You know, who am I to shine? You know, who am I to share my gift? Who am I to be a light on a hill? Like Jesus talked about being a light on a hill. That doesn't seem, you know, humble to me, right? Like I can, I can talk myself out of allowing God to use me sometimes because of uh, my own timidity or or self-esteem or fear, right? And so, you know, even boxing, like I've boxed for a long time, but every fight I've ever been in, I was so scared. And so boxing for me was a way of, I can't give in to this, you know? I, I gotta, you know, overcome this. So that timidity is definitely a part of it. And I don't want timidity to prevent me from using my gifts. And I certainly can't as a youth and family minister, <laughs> right? Uh, to still be, you know, uh, respectful, kind, and loving, um, but to not be timid all the time, you know? And um, that's what it is for me. What, what is it for you guys? 
I want to encourage all of us here to go for it with your gifts. Go for it with our gifts. Let's go for it. Let's give it all we got with our gifts. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So Paul is telling Timothy in an earlier uh, letter to Timothy, you know, it's this theme of like, you know, you know, don't neglect your gift. And sometimes we can neglect our gifts, but I'm encouraged to see so many not neglecting their gifts. And, you know, I can't mention everybody, but I do, uh, you know, want to want to highlight a few, you know, Jeremy Oliver preparing the songs and, and engaging in a meaningful way in the education as we talk about uh, race and in a meaningful way of educating others as so many of you guys are and I'm just blown away by that and I pray that we continue to use our gifts to serve in incredible ways and to be a light uh, to be a light during this time in the world collectively and if you're not sure what your gift is and I know sometimes you don't know like I don't know what my gift is I'm not sure there's there's a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about uh, spiritual gifts there's a lot of great books uh, that have to do with spiritual gifts but some place you can maybe start is you can ask somebody that you trust and you respect them spiritually. Like, you know, I just ask them, hey, what do you, what do you think my gifts are? Um, you can also kind of think about what are some things that other people maybe say about you that have been highlighted. You know, oh, you, 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 you're such a great teacher. You're, I really feel like healing, you know, when I, when I, when I speak to you. And, um, oh, wow, like your, your public presence is great or whatever the case uh, maybe there's just so many, you know, gifts to speak of. And, um, you know, I think really asking or really like, okay, well, what has been the thing or a theme in your life people have noticed? We can also study spiritual gifts, right? Go back to the word, go back to uh, really some great resources on studying out spiritual gifts uh, to figure out what ours are. So even if only right now, you can only think of one gift or talent you might have. We still have to ask ourselves the question. How can we use our gift in our world? How can you use your gift in your world? How can you use it in your church? How can you use it in your home, in your community, in your life, in your job? You know, imagine if all of us collectively used our gifts, offered them without limit to the kingdom and said, hey, I want to use this gift for God's glory. I want to, you know, to say to God, God, I want you to use my gifts for your glory. I want to use whatever that means for you and that God and that you're just offering it for him to use. But I think unfortunately far too often we choose to neglect our, our gifts and we can quench the fire of the spirit. And we don't, we don't always allow ourselves to be this pillar of fire, this light for other people to, to be brought into the glory of God, right? You know, I'm wrapping up here. I just want to encourage everybody to be a light. Be a bright light in your world. Be this raging inferno where you are that just is so obviously pointing people to God. You know, our time is short. Don't shrink back. Don't give in to fear. Keep following Jesus wherever he leads you. Keep following him. Don't give up. Don't give in to fear. Don't back down. Don't be scared. You know, don't go into a corner. The world needs your light. The world needs you to shine. The world needs to see your gifts at this time. You know, this feeling of using your gifts is so incredible. You feel so close to God when you're using your gifts. And I pray we can all experience that and feel that. Closing up, I'm going to read a passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. 
Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you feel your light is dim or quenched, go to Jesus. He will light the fire. After that, take that fire, take that light and shine brightly in your world as you unleash your gifts. Thank you guys so much for letting me share. I love you guys so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.